Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to the Female Insight Zone. This is Mary Beth Kuzmaski. Today I'm interviewing Kimmy Green. She is a finance expert and a business mentor at Intuit, as well as a spokeswoman for QuickBooks Self-Employed. So I am really excited to talk with her today and see what's going on in her world, and and I'm sure she's got some insights to help us. So welcome, Kimmy. Hey, Mary Beth. Thanks so much for having me. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing with QuickBooks and give us a little bit of an overview of how you're sort of helping by being this spokeswoman. Absolutely, Mary Beth. I feel so lucky. My role is one of those, I don't want to overuse the word unicorns, but in a different sense, unicorns in Silicon Valley, because I work for the startups or this fastest growing line of business within QuickBooks, which is part of Intuit. And Intuit has Mint and TurboTax and QuickBooks. But QuickBooks Self-Employed is really tapping into people who are working for themselves, whether they're just getting started with a side hustle or working full-time in our business of one, but we're really trying to arm folks with the tools so that they can focus on what they do best and we can take care of all the other details that are maybe not the fun side of running a business and really make it easy to separate business and personal because that's one of the first places you get tripped up or as you're starting out. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know you were just at a big QuickBooks conference. Tell us a little bit about that and what you saw and give us some insight there. Yeah, no, absolutely, Mary Beth. As we speak, a bunch of my colleagues are over in the UK. Our QuickBooks Connect London conference is kicking off today over in Europe. But I was at an industry conference, Create and Cultivate, in Los Angeles over the weekend, which was really a celebration of female entrepreneurship. And just am so energized after you know 24 hours of being with 1,500 plus women, talking about what it means to take the leap into working for yourself. How do you show up as a brand? How do you manage partnerships? How do you find a co-founder? How do you grow a business? When do you hire? Like All those conversations are things that are sort of fresh in my mind after being at that event. Yeah. And so I know that your background is that you know you started in that same place. So talk about some of the things that you did when you started off in business and how you kind of got things kicked into action. Absolutely, Mary Beth. I have a background working both public sector and private sector. I've worked for agencies. I've worked for multinational corporations. I've worked for startups. And when I was at agency for public relations, I was often tapped as the tech person. Like, we've got a tech pitch. We've got a tech client. Let's let Kimmy tackle that. And especially as I met my husband, started having children, I'm like, why? You know, I... I swim, I ride a bike, I eat crackers, I drink wine. Like I want to do some, you know, public relations around some of these other things that are really relevant. I changed diapers and I just (laughs) didn't have any opportunities to do that, which, you know, somebody can be the healthcare person or the energy person or the consumer package good. You know, it doesn't have to just be, you know, but you often get stuck. And so I really turned to working for myself after we had our second daughter as an opportunity to put myself in the driver's seat. I just really wanted to try out some new things and I was able to anchor my business with some technology clients. And while my other smaller clients were still in technology, I supported the babysitting app, sitter.me. And I worked with an aging 2.0 platform called Silvernest, which is home sharing for the baby boomer generation. Those projects were really meaty and awesome for me to spread my wings. 
And it was with that experience after two years of being a freelancer that I was able to then show up here in Silicon Valley after moving from Colorado and say, hey, Intuit, I can do this. I can talk to your consumer audience for Mint and now QuickBooks and really connect with them in an authentic way. So what was the hardest thing about going out on your own and not having that maybe security of the companies that you're working for before? You know, I was one of those people who had not planned to be self-employed. And so you call it accidental entrepreneur, accidental solopreneur. You know, I just one day I turned around and after having our second daughter, there was a ton of stuff going on, a lot of acquisition activity, a lot of shifts in leadership. And I just wasn't feeling like I was getting fueled by my in-house role, that I was getting the support to show up as my best self while still managing a family at home. And so my husband and I said, hey, let's take a different tack. You know a ton of freelancers. There's opportunities as a public relations freelancer. Let's go do this. So for two months, I drank coffee and ate with people. And I think I drank way too many coffees to the point where I couldn't drink lattes for like a year. Um, I'm, I'm back on caffeine, I will say, but there were plenty of mint teas then through the next year because they just couldn't do it anymore. You know, and you'll be amazed. The person that you think has money and is going to hire you the next day as you start working for yourself probably won't. And it's the person that you thought really didn't like you that's like, oh my gosh, you're exactly what I need. And let me connect you with another person I know who has needs. So it really taught me to be open and to stretch outside of my comfort zone and who I reach out to and who I call. And it was about, you know, three months. I think I started November 1st. And on February 1st, I did have my first client paying me. And that felt amazing. And it gives you energy to go do it and reach a little bit further into your Rolodex. And it's kind of snowballed from there. So over the course, I was able to double my monthly billings and I was billing hourly from February 1st. By May 1st, I had doubled that. Wow. And again, it was just steeped in a lot of caffeine. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, when you were at this conference just recently, what mm-hmm. was the overall theme of the women who were interested in breaking out on their own and doing this? What was kind of the theme that you were hearing either on the positive side or maybe the What's what's some of the stop-ups that they're seeing? I think that there are two major themes going on right now, Mary Beth, that were really echoed at the Create and Cultivate event. The first is, what would you do if you knew you could be successful? If you take fear off the table and really believe in yourself, commit to yourself first, because no one else is going to commit to you if you're not committed. You know, So take fear off the table and get ready to make the leap. That was one piece that was spoken about. And that notion of fear is not just fear over like maybe not getting a regular paycheck, but you know, we asked the audience as we were talking to them in our in our booth for QuickBooks and we say, Who's scared of money? And people are like, I am, I am, and they feel so great because they found their tribe. It's like if you're scared of money, you're scared to ask for it, you're scared to make it, you're scared to stay on top of it. And so this notion of fear was like, how do you take control of your career? How do you think differently? So that's one piece. And I think the second piece that I'm super empowered by and saw as I was a freelancer is this notion of peer learning. Many of us grew up in this model where you tap an expert, you go to a class and you learn something from a designated expert. But more and more, I think, and particularly women are reaching out to other women like them and saying, you have some experience with this. How did you tackle it? And then processing what they hear And that's how we're learning. This this notion of peer learning. And so if you can have a day where there's 1,500 women walking around asking all the same questions, that's going to answer, you know, many questions and challenges you've had for a few weeks or months in just the course of a day. And so it was awesome to see. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, back to that fear of money piece, that is, it's something that I hear from women and men, but much more from women. And I think about my own business. When I first started off, I was too afraid to tell anyone what my speaking fee was. And actually, Mm -hmm. in truth be told, I still don't like talking about my speaking fee. My speaking fee is a lot higher than it was when I first started. But I literally have to have someone else say it for me because I have an issue with it. And whatever it is, you know, maybe I think that it's not that it's too expensive or what. I don't know. But I just know that I get hired on a regular basis. But my assistant handles talking about the money because mm-hmm. I just feel uncomfortable about doing it. Now, thankfully, I have an assistant who can have those conversations and she's much tougher than I am about these things because I'd speak for free. You know, that <laughs> I, I love doing it. I would speak for free. And then, you know, it doesn't always bode that well for business. So if you're like a paid speaker, you know, how do you think that people sort of get over this fear of money? I mean, I just have someone else talk about it. I don't have problems talking about consulting fees, but for whatever reason, speaking fees are very personal and I have an issue with that. So I have my assistant do it. What do other people do? It's fascinating. I would practice. I would practice with friends. Um, and I would also ask other people what they're making. So you may have people, Mary Beth, who you speak at conferences, you kind of see some same faces or, or friends who may also be authors, speakers, business owners. And I think that you should ask. And because the more you hear that other people, you know, for me, I felt like people were making around 100 to $150 an hour, but maybe they would lower that rate if they were um, working for friends. You know, and I sort of got this range and I was like, where do I feel comfortable planting myself in that range that I feel like I'm not going to blink if I am having to speak about it? But it was because I had the confidence that I knew I'd spoken with three other and four other people in the Colorado market as I was starting out. And when I moved to California, I did the same thing as I really tried to find freelancers out here and ask them. And then I think you put it in writing too. It's one theme that came up very big this weekend was put it in writing. Because if you don't put it in writing, you may not end up making what you had thought you were going to make. And you can put everything in writing. You can put the things that you're anxious about, like I am going to go on vacation because I do have children and it's okay to go on vacation as a working mom and a business owner. So I would put that in my contracts. I would also put in my contracts that if you need a 24 turnaround on a request, there's going to be an additional $50 an hour premium on that request because as freelancers, your time is pretty budgeted. And if all of a sudden somebody comes in with the sky is falling request, that's going to throw off your ability to deliver for any of the other accounts you're working on. So there should be a premium associated with that. I think being really deliberate and writing it out so that when you get asked the question, you already know the answer is huge. And knowing that you have confidence in that because you're in the right place for the market that you're in after talking to people. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really good advice. Just being prepared for, I mean, that's why I don't have a problem, I think, in consulting because I know what the ballpark is for doing marketing consulting that we do. I, I know what it is. For speaking, it it sometimes is such a wide range of different fees that I'm always like, oh, well, I really want to do this. So yeah. And so that leads me then to, I don't think it's a fear of the money. I think it's just uncertainty, like you were talking about. If you knew exactly what ballpark you're in, then you just give it. I mean, sometimes it varies quite a bit with speaking fees, but at any rate, Talk to me about funding for women's businesses. I don't know if that came up at the conference you're at. I'm sure that you hear about this all the time, but you know, funding has been very difficult for women. I have talked to many women on this show who have said that, I mean, there's one woman who 
presented in front of 50, 50 times she presented in front of venture capitalists and people that might lend her money. And they all said no. And she kept doing it. And I thought to myself, why are you continuing to do this if everyone continues to say no? But she believed in herself. I would have given up maybe after 10, but she 50. And so, you know, I I know that it's an issue with women um, and women businesses. What is your take on that? Or what do you see happening there? I think it's really hard because the traditional funding models, you know, I'm not speaking about venture capital specifically right now. But if you were to go to the bank to get a small business loan, I mean, they're going to want to see two years of income to verify before giving you that loan. And it's like, well, gosh, how do you cart before the horse? You know, how do I get started if I can't gain access to money? And so there are a few different ways. There's, you know, self-funding, have you saved for it? And it was one of the conversations I absolutely have on a regular basis, particularly since I've worked with both Mint and QuickBooks here at Intuit is you need to be on solid ground in your personal finances in order to begin a business that if you can have some money saved, that will give you runway and flexibility to say yes to the right types of clients as opposed to and projects and opportunities as opposed to having to rush into anything and maybe having a wrong fit. So there's that aspect. So be on some solid ground in your personal finances. There's nothing more stressful than having to sort of like beg Peter to pay Paul between the business and personal as you're getting started. I think that'll just add a layer of stress that nobody else needs. But we live in a really interesting time where there's opportunities like crowdfunding, you know, Indiegogo and, and GoFundMe, Kickstarter, and QuickBooks had a really awesome campaign at the end of 2017 that was celebrating entrepreneurs who were on crowdfunding platforms. And we were coming in to really top them off so that they could unlock all the funding that had been committed to them. And out of the companies that we funded, eight were founded by women. One was founded by a man and another one was founded by a couple. And so nine of the 10 companies were founded by women. And so that's an avenue that's obviously open and pretty democratized to go to. There was a lot of talk during the conference about use your credit card first, self-fund for as long as you can before asking for money from venture capitalists. And then really know what why you're asking for money when you do go for more formal routes and you're trading equity. Can you bring on an advisor and give them some equity before going to a full, you know, angel or, or seed or series um, A round. So there's a lot to learn there about how much you can fund yourself and what are some non-traditional ways to do it. So I'll stop there because it's just a really, it, there's so many avenues and there isn't a one size fits all, but I would say to sort of think out of the box on who you tap within your own circles and from crowdfunding before feeling like you're stuck. Yeah. Between venture capitalists and banks, women have not had a lot of luck. But yeah, I think these are good, really good solutions. Now, you've mentioned Mint a couple of times. For for those in the audience that don't know what that is, can you share a little bit about what Mint is? Right. Absolutely. So Mint is a personal finance app that is free, and it is really a tool to stay on top of your money. You get the opportunity to create a budget, to track expenses, to look at your overall net worth understand your credit score, and even pay bills directly from Mint. And the idea is that all of your financial life is in one place. You're not necessarily toggling between an online banking application and, you know, maybe some investing tools or other, you know, invoices and bills such as Comcast or your mobile bill. 
you know, it can all be in one place. And the more that we are armed with money, the more we can actively make the right decisions to keep our finances in order. And again, that is a foundation for then QuickBooks, which was really built on a similar philosophy of, you know, how can we make it easy? How can we put more money in people's pockets at tax time? And how can we give them complete confidence that they, you know, have their business finances in order and then can go do the thing that they love, whether that's servicing clients or creating a product or building a brand? Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing about that. I know that it's something that my daughter uses actually, and I know a lot of other people that do. So tell us a little bit more about how people can reach you, where they can find you online, Twitter, those kinds of things. Yes. So QuickBooks, please visit us at quickbooks.com. And then we are active on social media and as well as on YouTube. There are some sort of features of recent entrepreneurs. And again, I said this peer learning is just getting me out of bed every morning. This idea of just like, what are other people up to? How are they tackling these challenges? So the hashtag backing you is really going to open up some new stories fueled by QuickBooks and how we're bringing entrepreneurship to life for small businesses as well as people who work for themselves. And what's that hashtag again? Yes, it's hashtag backing you. Nice. And I think this notion of backing you, we here at QuickBooks, you know, we support those who dare to dream. And so we are backing you as a person who works for themselves. But as I was saying at the outset, I mean, you got to commit to yourself first, like backing you means backing numero uno. It means, you know, getting in front of the mirror and saying, I can do this. And there were times when I was going into working for myself where I had been told for years that I wasn't great at media relations. Like I just wasn't landing like big PR hits. And I was like, well, am I not great at media relations? Or have I just been on accounts that don't want a lot of PR, you know, that needed more strategy work or needed more content? And when I started working for myself, I got to decide, like, I'm going to do the media on this. And I was landing stories. And I was like, guess what? I wasn't bad at media relations, but I needed to be in control in order to give myself the hands-on experience to say, no, that dialogue wasn't right. And I get to say when I do this or when I don't as a business owner too, like if I was not feeling confident in my media relations chops, I brought on a partner on that account and sort of 1099 that person as a partner in crime to execute. Or there are other days when I was like, nope, I'm going to do this all myself because I'm going to flex my muscle here. And over a handful of months, it was amazing how my confidence was growing and how I was really not as daunted by business opportunities that were coming my way. Yeah, that's amazing. So, you know, thank you, Kimmy, for being on with us. And again, Kimmy is finance expert and business mentor at Intuit. She's the spokeswoman for QuickBooks Self-Employed. She is an amazing person and has given us a lot of good insight today. So thank you so much for sharing your time and your insights with us on the Female Inside Zone. Thank you, Mary Beth, and really appreciate the opportunity to connect with everyone that you've grown an awesome community here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.